Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you heard all the rave about the new Quick Grill located inside the Be Quick Chevron on Veterans Boulevard? Come visit Be Quick Chevron along with Quick Grill, Be Quick Food Marts, your locally owned hometown convenience store, wherever you are. Howdy, howdy, it's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Everyone and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host Gerard Gibbard, along with the returning Rhino in the Element Well Studio, guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music. We are kicking off a brand new, rather warm week here, Rhino. Howdy, howdy. All right, how was your time off? You oh, it was that? great. I got to uh, spend some time with the. The company family enjoying uh, the retirement party for the wonderful Perez. Yeah, now that was fun. On to Happy Trails, and then I got to see my little brother who came to town for a meeting. and got to go eat supper with him Friday night, and the rest of the time I was just lazy and disconnected, completely unplugged from the world of politics. <laughs> well, sometimes you got to decompress like that, oh, don't yeah. you? Especially before football season gets kicked up, right? And me and you also got some politics to deal with as well. I know that's always uh, <laughs> on the forefront. We got the Republican debate coming up. Eight, Wednesday night. Eight candidates have no now Trump. qualified. No Trump, though, at this point. The uh, the latest is that he's going to do an interview with Tucker Carlson. That's kind of weird. Uh, in lieu of attending the debate. Now, Ronna McDaniel... GOP chairwoman national says she's still holding out hope that the president will make the debate stage, but I don't see it at this point. No, I mean, if he were waffling in the lead up to it, maybe, but he's been pretty adamant he's not going to do it. Yeah. Now, you know, he was scheduled to have some sort of press conference announcement about the election, so some data related to uh, election being stolen, essentially being rigged against him, but he canceled that. Says his lawyers advised, "Don't go there right now." Interesting, but it was um, that was announced late last week. And it's just kind of fallen off the radar at this point. But the eight candidates that are, who are fully qualified to be on the debate stage this coming Wednesday, Mike Pence, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, Governor of North Dakota, Doug Burgum, Senator Tim Scott, former Governor of Arkansas, Asa Hutchinson, the latest entrant 
who just qualified. And then the former governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie. Donald Trump, of course, met the polling and donor thresholds, has not signed the pledge, that pledge being the candidates must agree to support the eventual nominee and sign a pledge thereto with the RNC in order to get on the debate stage. So Mr. Trump has not done that, but at this point, he's expected to sit down for an interview with former Fox News host Tucker Carlson. The question is, is, do you think we're going to see anybody drop out after the first debate? It's always an issue. Um, You know, that's, um, that's always an issue. It's always a concern. And and it just depends on money, right? Because after the debate, I think you start getting a sense from the electorate how they feel about these candidates and folks that are dumping their money into candidates' uh, coffers and campaigns say, yeah, it doesn't look like my guy or gal is going to fare very well. And that's when you start seeing them. Now, it would be unusual after the first debate, I think. And leading up to the first primaries coming after the after um, or when the new year starts twenty four. So, but it it's certainly within the realm of possibility. I think more probable that it occurs uh, in January, February, whenever the first the first caucus is. I think that's usually what happens. You know, you see how the voting goes there, and you don't do very well. And at that point, you pull out. So that would be, let's see, because you know the Democrats have changed the, the, the sequence. So I believe for Republicans, it's Iowa, right? Or is it New Hampshire? Can't remember. The first caucus coming up. Uh, primaries, actually, is what it is. So it's, you got New Hampshire... Yeah, January 15th, it looks like, is when Iowa conducts their 2024 caucuses. believe that's typically first, followed by New Hampshire, the calendar, the way it works. And then, of course, the big day, Super Tuesday, on March the 5th. Hmm. South Carolina. That's the one the, the Democrats are kicking off with. First. Right. So South Carolina's for the Republicans will get going on February the 24th. And the I think the New Hampshire primaries between that. So if I, if I got that right, I believe it's Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina in that sequence. And then the big Super Tuesday on March 5th, several states conduct their primaries on that day. South Carolina, as you indicated, gets the Democrat primaries kicked off. That's when I think you'll see some attrition, more likely. But you're right. You could have some that, after the debate, their donors just say, I'm done. And that's usually what would force them out, unless they get into some self-funding, like Doug Burgum, for example, is is pretty wealthy in his own right. So is Vivek Ramaswamy. I think the rest of those candidates pretty much rely on third party. Yeah, but if you take those two and you go, all right, who's getting more buzz? <laughs> yeah. Who seems to have a better shot? Yeah. It's certainly not Burgum. 
Yeah. Although, I got to tell you, he's a qualified individual. He just doesn't have the name ID. I saw a couple of interviews he conducted over the weekend. I mean, he's a very successful business person. He's he's bright. He's been a governor. He just doesn't have any name ID. Nobody knows who he is. And I, the one who really is starting to have some problems there is old Ron DeSantis. And I think many thought he gave uh, – he, he indicated, represented the best chance of challenging Donald Trump, who's still way out in front. DeSantis – but he he took a bit of a shot at Trump supporters. You see this? Eh, kinda. You don't think it is? Well, it's in it's, context. It doesn't really seem like it. It seems like he's more using a naval term as an analogy. Well, he uh, if you didn't hear it, folks, the governor over the weekend he railed against. Uh, I shouldn't say that he he took some shots at Donald Trump, and in particular. Uh, their supporter, his supporters as well, referring to the Trump campaign as a listless vessel. <laughs> Golly, I don't know if that was very smart for him to say that, but that is what he said. He pointed to the difference between his and Trump supporters. He said there will be people who are huge Trump supporters, like in Congress, who have incredibly left-wing records that are just really atrocious without specifying exactly who he means there. That's kind of weird. So he is um, starting to ratchet up, I guess, the, the attacks, if you will, on Donald Trump. And let's be honest, if, you're, if your goal is to win the primary, that's why you're running, the front runner, Donald Trump, is way out in front, if you don't start pointing out some of the flaws in Mr. Trump and certainly some of the risks of supporting Mr. Trump, then you don't have a good chance of being the nominee. It's just simple as that. So there's some barbs going back and forth between the rivals and Mr. Trump, but he's still got a whopping 46-point lead over DeSantis. I found the the quote in context. Yeah. The movement has got to be about what you're trying to achieve on behalf of the American people. And that's got to be based in principle. Because if you're not rooted in principle, if all we are is listless vessels that are just supposed to follow whatever happens to come down the pike on Truth Social every morning, that's not going to be a durable movement. Yeah. That doesn't really sound like taking shots to me. Well, okay. Well, you're right, though. The media is running with it. Oh, yeah. Uh, because it's just good fodder for the media, of course. They're running with it and calling attention to it. it you know, it's being described as a deplorables moment by some in the media. I don't think it quite rises to that level. We're taking a break on middays. We're in the Element Well studio. We got the mayor of Biloxi, Andrew Fofo Gillich, coming up at 11.05. It's Monday, so Super Talk Outdoors with Ricky Matthews at 12.05. We are coming right back. Now back to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. 
19, you don't know who Aretha Franklin is. <laughs> According to Steely Dan, right? We are in the Element Well studio. Are you thinking about or planning for retirement? Do you have a plan? Go to myelementwealth.com or call 601-957-6006 to let Element Wealth help you find your balance between income, growth, and guarantees. And before we're out of here today, we're giving away some tickets to the Doobie Brothers. They're coming on 826. That ain't far away to uh, the Brandon Amphitheater. And Rhino's going to help us out by giving away some tickets I will be in West Point, Mississippi tomorrow. Middays is going to be at the Mossy Oak, uh, the outlets up there, for the upcoming Prairie Arts Festival. That's on Labor Day weekend. This will be my third time to host the show from West Point for the Prairie Arts Festival. That ought to be some fun. And then the Sports Talk boys... They're on the road, too, on Thursday. They're going to be at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College in Perkinston. They'll be kicking off the Meet the Bulldogs night. Plus, you'll hear about the great things going on at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, one of the fantastic community colleges in the great state of Mississippi. The Dow, now down 183, started out in the green. Futures were like up 170, so we've had a 350-point swing. The NASDAQ still holding on to gains. It's up 60, though that's off the the high of the session. The NASDAQ is being powered by late Friday afternoon earnings released by Palo Alto Networks. They uh, outperformed, and they gave some fairly... Positive guidance. Now, Palo Alto Networks is in the business of uh, cybersecurity technology. My company was one of the first to partner with Palo Alto Networks uh, in the country. That was a long time ago. Really good technology. Neat stuff, by the way. And one thing I learned about being in the IT business for so long is that there's always money for cybersecurity. Even when companies are pulling back on capital investment to commission new IT projects, unfortunately, because of all the bad guys out there, you never let up on investing, refreshing, modernizing, upgrading digital cybersecurity defenses. And these guys got uh, some significant upgrades from the street and uh, some reversal of sell ratings to neutral ratings. So bottom line is that is powering the NASDAQ into positive territory uh, today, which is a good thing. But the Dow, now down 190. And there's concerns there on more reports coming out of China that their economy is faltering and It is expected to take its toll on American business, American corporations. It's a huge market, of course. So that's pulling the the Dow down. The Fed, we're going to get some guidance from those guys on interest rates. One of the things that's going on is the 10-year yield is now up to 4.34. It's up today. Of course, mortgage rates 
a lot of consumer borrowing, credit cards, and so forth, tied to the 10-year yield, 10-year Treasury. So that doesn't bode well for interest rates. And there's some sentiments on Wall Street that the Fed's going to keep higher rates in place for longer than inspected as a result of the very sticky inflation that we're experiencing. I'm amused, Rhino, at the stuff going around, golly, from the Biden administration, just boasting about Bidenomics. Now we got Kamala. you got to be dumber than a bag of hammers to believe in (laughs) Bidenomics. (laughs) Three years ago, this is the latest from Joe. This is uh, it's a split screen video where he is articulating his promises, his proposals as a candidate. And then in the in on the one side, the left side of the screen, on the right side is in, in the heading, by the way, promises made. And on the right side is Joe sitting in the Oval Office, you can tell, at the desk there. Promises kept. And it uh, it gets into a bunch of nonsense about that, where he's protecting your Social Security and Medicare, and they're taking victory laps on that. I mean, you didn't do squat, dude. says, three years ago, I accepted the Democratic nomination for president. Since then, we've worked to grow our economy, rebuild our infrastructure, and pass some of the most significant legislation of our time. We've gotten so much done, but we still have more work to do. And right below that's Kamala Harris. Trickle-down economics benefited big corporations and the wealthiest Americans. When President Biden and I took office, we decided to invest in the working people of America. That's Bidenomics. Oh, you mean like the way you caused the price of gas to almost double since you've been in office? And they they promote and, and they publish all this data, all these charts and stuff about inflation. And it's always in the context of from last year, June of 22, when inflation hit its peak of 9-plus percent in, in recent memory or since he's been in office. But he, he's comparing that to where it is today. Never compares that to when he took office. You're responsible for the first year too, Joe, not just the last. You're responsible for every year you're sitting in that Oval Office. And so it's it's deceiving. It's duplicitous to focus on that. Here's the other thing, and I think it goes to the fact that so many of his minions are mathematically challenged, including him and Kamala. Not exactly who you want doing your complex algebra problems or calculus. Certainly don't want him doing accounting. But here's the deal. Okay, so I admit Inflation, as it is measured, is down right now relative to a year ago. But it's still up. It just means that the rate of increase has declined somewhat. It's still going up. Why don't they get that? Until it's got a negative sign in front of them, stuff's still more expensive right now than it was last year when it was a lot more expensive than it was when you took office the prior year. 
So the only meaningful measurement is from when you took office, Joe, to today. Let me enlighten you. It's up 16%. Stuff cost, on average, 16% more. And by the way, I know your experience may be different, folks. I'm just going by government calculations here. Your own government, Joe, says stuff costs 16% more on average today than it did when you took office. By the way, wages have not kept pace. So the reality is, Joe, that people are poorer than they were when you took office. Why don't you just try something different and be honest about that? We're talking about Joe Biden here. He hasn't been honest since he's been an adult. Oh, gosh. Remember, this is the same man that had to drop out of a presidential race in the late 80s because he got caught plagiarizing that's, in college. That's true. So, uh, and actually, it's been updated. I'm looking at the Bureau of Labor Statistics from when I checked it. It's now 17% CPI overall. The average growth during Joe's presidency, 7.4%. Groceries up 20% in the first 30 months of Joe's presidency. That's what you call going to work for working families? That's what hits them the hardest. And gasoline, by the way, compared to when he took office, $3.87 on average versus $2.39. Unbelievable. Now, they love to contrast themselves to Trump, right? So during the Trump era, CPI overall up first 30 months, 6% relative to Joe's 17 the average CPI, 1.9% negligible inflation. Groceries up 2% under Trump, 20% under Joe. Gas was 239 when Trump left and Joe took office. But probably the most meaningful data point of all that you won't see Joe talk about, because this is really, folks, where the rubber meets the road, is that real family incomes... That's just the difference between the increase in your compensation that you're bringing home and the increase in inflation. How do you net on that? It's down $4,000 since Joe took off. It's about 700 bucks a month. That's the stat you see. It was up $6,400 in the Trump era. We're coming right back in the Element Well studio. Stay with us. You're listening to Middays with Gerard. Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hangman is coming down from the gallows and I don't have very long. Welcome back, everyone, to the Element Wealth Studio Sticks, bumping us into this segment with Renegade. So January 15th is the Iowa caucus, and then the for the Republicans. The Democratic primary is the next event on the road to the White House, and that's February the 3rd in South Carolina, February the 6th 
the Democrats will conduct their primary in Nevada. The next is Nevada. I forgot there was a little switcheroo there. And so Nevada will conduct its Republican caucus on February the 8th. South Carolina, its primary for Republicans, February 24th. Michigan, February 27th. March 2nd, Idaho has its caucus. North Dakota on March 4th. All Republicans here I'm talking about. And then the big day, March 5th, several states have their primaries March the 5th. Everything's leading up to March the 5th, it looks like. So that's where we are. The uh, pardon me, the Republican convention, July 15th through the 18th, 24, in Milwaukee. That also the site of the debates this Wednesday. The Democratic convention in Chicago on August the 19th. Literally starts the next day. Wow. Might we have something to talk about then? 15th through the 18th, Republicans in Milwaukee and right down the road there in Chicago. August 19th through the 22nd. And then, of course, November the 5th, the presidential election. Of course, in the state here, in the state of Mississippi, we still have runoffs in a few races coming up on the 29th. Not tomorrow, but this coming Tuesday. Correct. Right. A week from tomorrow, runoffs. And then we're going out there to the polls in November. And that would be November the 7th, as I recall. That will be the general elections in the great state of Mississippi. I think we'll get a lot of, um, see a lot of activity between now and then in the governor's race, for sure. Mr. Presley is well-funded, the Democrat nominee. And he's, uh, he's going after it now. With lots of stuff out there, but we're seeing Governor Tate Reeves respond as well with his own brand of campaign rhetoric (laughs) on Mr. Presley there. So that ought to be fun. A lot of stuff. Yeah, I'm looking at this article about Trump canceling his press conference on election fraud. He says his attorneys advised not to do that. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, no other explanation. Meantime, what about this leaked memo from Ron DeSantis' big political action committee that outlines a suggested debate strategy? Governor DeSantis maintains he hasn't read the memo. It's pretty straightforward. It says defend Trump and attack Vivek Ramaswamy, telling you he's rising in the polls, he's rising in popularity, and he's seen as a foe, a target by the field. So the number two guy in the field, Ron DeSantis, is being advised to lay the wood to Vivek Ramaswamy. My guess is that won't go well for Governor DeSantis. Just having observed Mr. Ramaswamy in his campaign activities, not only is he good on his feet, he's very level-headed. He keeps us cool. He doesn't melt under pressure, maintains his composure, 
I would be surprised if he doesn't figure out a way to use whatever Governor DeSantis throws at him against the governor. It's pretty good with that sort of stuff. It'll be fun, though, to watch all that. The most recent poll from Emerson College showed Mr. DeSantis and Ramaswamy now tied at 10%. Of course, still trailing Trump, who's got 56%. But that's where all that's headed. Right now, we were talking this morning about some land in the state of Mississippi that's ablaze, right? Some acreage. I know we got all sorts of alerts and restrictions on on burning, right? How, how are we doing? There? Yeah, there was a wildfire over the weekend on the uh, Smith County line, and the Mississippi Forest Service had to get out there and fight the wildfire. I want to say everything's under control, and I do believe there is now an article on Super Talk News concerning it. Okay. Gotcha. This weekend, uh, you know, the thing about Twitter, we're still not calling it X, right? We're calling it... No, it's it's been Twitter for a while. It's If we ever do transition to calling it X, it'll be a minute. Okay. There you go, folks. Rhino has declared we're calling it Twitter. So... Every now and then I will throw a, a comment out on some of Joe Biden's and Kamala Harris's and Liz Warren's and Robert Reich's post because they infuriate me, honestly. Well, one this weekend got my attention, and I responded, and it got the attention of lots of people, left and right-leaning. That's the, that's the way, of course, X works. And if I'm not mistaken, didn't Musk recently declare you can't block people now? You see that? I That was an idea he was floating, but I don't think he's going to be able to pull the trigger on it because for everything I'm reading, in order to be an app on both the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store, you do have to have some capability of blocking. Okay. And I, I don't know if just the mute button rises to meet that qualification to be on the store and while there are apps that aren't a part of the App Store or the Google Play Store, that severely limits how many people will be using your app. I think that's right. Which flies in the face of Musk trying to make the all-in-one, one-stop shop app that he's now calling X. Believing it necessary to produce a profit, that's a big problem for the for the company. Which they have started their whole profit-sharing thing, and you are seeing some people on Twitter reporting that they're getting paychecks, or at least getting paid, for engagement on yeah, their Twitter. That's right. And he cut expenses, remember, dramatically. Cut a lot of staff he just thought weren't necessary. One of the first things he did, one of the first actions he took when he became the CEO so Joe Biden says, and this is a really fancy graphic that was uh, accompanied this tweet I'm about to read you, and the graphic has this these really kind of uh, positive images, I guess, if you could say that, of, of he, like from a bust of him and Kamala Harris side by side there, you know, just to look so, so righteous, so noble. But his tweet says, there's a lot more work to do to keep our communities and kids safe. Vice President at Kamala Harris and I won't stop fighting to end the scourge of gun violence. And what he says is, ban assault weapons. 
require safe storage of firearms, require background checks for all gun sales, eliminate gun manufacturers' immunity from liability. And so I just posted a comment as such. Your war on guns is about as effective as the war on poverty or the war on drugs. Moral decay, not firearms, is the core problem. Your policies are the catalyst for societal strife, from stoking racial grievances to decriminalizing crime to demonizing producers. Fail. Well, that brought out some of the leftists, as you can imagine. And the most recent I received was from, let's see here if I can find it. Yeah, this individual here named Slim Smith. Now let's Bad see. Guy. Yeah. Says He's moral, pretty worthless. Right. Moral decay, my ASS. Why is there no moral decay in France, Germany, Britain? And then he says France again. Spain, et cetera, et cetera. Moral decay is a cop-out to do nothing. Just say that, jerk. <laughs> That's what Mr. Smith said. All right, Mr. Smith, how about we take a look at one of y'all's favorite bullet points, school shootings. That's a hammer you like to use to nail home all these stupid assault weapons bans. What happened to the number of school shootings after you passed an assault weapons ban in 1994? (laughs) Did the number of school shootings go down or go up? And as long as we keep ignoring the core problem. So I'll tell you what I said on the other side of the break about this assertion that why don't they have this problem in these other countries? More on that after the break on Middays in the Element Well studio. Don't forget, Mayor Gillich of Biloxi is on with us at Back in the Element Well studio. So, this guy Slim Smith. So, you, do you want to talk about that? You have some experience. Uh, I would refrain from talking about him because I just got back from vacation and I might curse on the air about him. But he's that much of a piece of work. Okay. He was celebrating when JT passed away. I'll put it that way. That's how much of a piece of work this guy is. Fill in the word work with the proper term, folks, and take it from there. So he, of course, uh, didn't like my statement in response to the president's call for these various gun restrictions. And, uh, again, I think it's because they just refuse to accept the core problem, which is moral decay in our society. Now, we may have different ideas about what's 
been the catalyst for that moral decay. But I don't think you can refute that we have experienced moral decay. My personal opinion is it's the dissolution of the nuclear family. And folks on the left even denounce nuclear families as privilege and encourage against it. This is crazy, in my view. And goes on to say, does this this troll, that moral decay is not the problem, that guns are, and all you have to do is look at Germany, Britain, France, Spain, to see that they don't have the same issues we do, and it's because they have much tighter gun restrictions. And I simply replied that those societies aren't burdened by an epidemic of fatherless homes, teenage births, glorification of crime, wide-open borders, and elected officials who foment division and resentment, demonize success, rationalize reparations, and attribute every inequity to race and gender. Where am I wrong there? Where am I wrong? I don't think I am. I've said it before, I'll say it again. There are three core principles in the Democrat ideology. Race, gender, and climate. Where am I wrong? It was instructed by the president to embed those issues at the agency level in all policymaking. It's front and center. It's the central core theme. Race, crazy gender ideology, and climate. Everything's about that. Another troll says, well, somebody brought facts. And then there was Gerard. Stick with your state-sponsored propaganda network. No, I'm the one that brought the facts, and I challenge you to refute those. They can't. When you've got a vice president, remember this, that set up a GoFundMe account to cover bail for criminals? When you've got private sector companies across this country that have instructed their employees just to stand down and get out of the way, when they're being robbed and pillaged by criminals who just help themselves. And their government has told them, you deserve this. It's okay. You've got DAs funded by Soros. And honestly, they're DAs that aren't even funded by Soros that see it as their, their function to just apply the law based on physical attributes, such as race and gender and stuff. You do whatever you want. How can you not see that that's what's going on? So what happened is one of these people, whose name I won't mention, sends me all this stuff about what a pro-law enforcement guy Joe Biden is and how he's all about addressing the crime problem. And he's put more money here and more money there. You know what? That's the problem, Rhino. Money is always the Democrat solution. We just need more money. Money we don't have. Just throw more money at it. More money is not the reason we're experiencing record resignations and retirements, early retirements, by law enforcement officers. Do you see the town, I think, in Michigan last week? Whole dang police force walked out. Said, we ain't doing this anymore. You won't, you won't back us up. We pull them in, you let them back out. It's a waste of time. I mean, would you risk your life, risk getting stabbed or shot or worse for $10 an hour? 
No. Nobody will. They're having, a tr- they're having trouble across the country, filling the ranks, grossly understaffed. But when you got members of Congress saying, we got to dismantle the police forces, we got to open up the prisons and let everybody out. You got, was it L.A. or California where the threshold for felony theft is like $900? You got the criminals coming in there with calculators. Oh, yeah, they calculate how many people it's going to take to steal how much they want so that they can all stay under the $900 limit. That's why you have flash mobs rushing the Gucci store or whatever. You got the the uh, Walgreens and CVSs locking up toothpaste. This is insane. So they're they're arguing that my statement that we've decriminalized crime is just not accurate. Huh? They got their head so far up their hind end they can't smell straight. Fox News Super Talk News is next, and then the mayor of Biloxi, Fofo Gillich. And now, the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. That's what I like to listen to. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Back everyone, hour two of middays. We're in the Element Well Studio, kicking off a brand new week on this Monday. We got the RNC debates coming up Wednesday, and a whole lot to talk about between now and then. But we welcome to the program the mayor of Biloxi, Mayor Fofo Gillich. Good to see you there, Mayor. How you doing today? I'm great, Gerard. Great, great to be here on Super Talk. I'm just normal Monday morning, but uh, it's always exciting to be here with you. Yes, sir. We appreciate you joining us. We wanted to first get your take on uh, the sales tax collections that your city is enjoying. Uh, I believe we're setting new records right now, right? I think for a month, but we've been uh, over the last 28 months been you know in in record territory. So uh, it's a reflection of you know the amount of just gross business we're doing. Uh, I think it's, uh, uh, you know, about uh, 28 months in a row, it's has exceeded a million dollars. That's our diversion. But, you know, what the good news about that is, you know, uh, I think our diversion, which is 18.5 cents, was about 1.4 million. Uh, but that was uh, about 6 million of, of the sales tax that was generated. They stayed at the state of Mississippi. Right. So we made 1.4 and the state made 6 million. Yeah. So, uh, but it's a reflection of times and so forth. But, you know, these numbers, you know, numbers are our friend. They don't, never lie. So it's a reflection, I think, of, uh, you know, uh, good business uh, in, in, from our part. Yeah. So just for the benefit of our audience, folks, uh, municipalities where the transactions uh, take place receive a diversion from the state. All sales taxes are remitted, collected by merchants, remitted to the state. 18 point, uh, I believe it's 18.4, 18.5% of that is diverted back to the cities. That's the primary source of, of uh, revenue for municipalities to operate. So, Mayor, also you, you uh, receive revenue from, from property taxes. And just looking at cities across the state, some cities receive more in property taxes than sales taxes and vice versa. How does it work in Biloxi? Is, does most of your revenue come from sales Biloxi, taxes? You know, uh, a, a, a big part of it. Of course, you know, we've got gaming uh, here, too, yeah, so it's yeah. all wrapped into uh, the reasons. But, you know, we've uh, been able to kind of keep the, what we can keep down uh, as far as down below taxes 
the percentage that's paid on your house, on your personal property and car tags, has not been changed in 20-something years, 28 years. That millage has remained the same. Yeah. So, And that's a result of a, a factors, you know, uh, increase in, in uh, of course, the assessed valuation. That's what, you know, drives the the numbers. But also just pure, you know, uh, uh, business. That 1.4 million and the 6 million is is derived on about 108 million dollars in sales for that uh, month. So, wow. you know, those dollars collected when you go to have a meal or, or you know, uh, uh, a drink or whatever, that uh, that's what that seven seven point six million dollars that goes to the state, and then they divert, you know, uh, uh, about one point four. Yeah. So, you know, uh, there are a lot of wins. You know, in the situation, business is good. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And I'll say, Mayor, I, I've been uh, a visitor uh, to your area a few times this year. Most recently for the Mississippi Municipal League. I think you and I uh, talked then. But right. everything looks great. Yeah. I mean, Mississippi Gulf Coast, Biloxi, uh, Gulfport, across the entire Tri County area, everything just looks fantastic. I mean, it just looks like it's poised to continue to grow economically. I think so. You know, we're, we're very fortunate. It's safe, friendly, and beautiful. That you, that's what you experience. And it takes money to keep that. You know, keep the roads, the beautification, you know, uh, safety, a yep. big thing. And, and uh, people are not afraid. And, and they know that they will enjoy, you know, visiting our coast and visiting, you know, uh, the, the things that we have to offer. Yep. And, you know, from one, one place to the other, uh, just like when cruising is coming up in, in a few short weeks, we're getting into a mode of preparing for cruising and spending those, you know, two three hundred extra thousand dollars to make it spiffy and uh make sure that, that when you come down we sit on the town green we'll have uh, some, some enjoyable things to talk about yeah what a great event so yeah i know we got that one coming up uh what in october i believe is uh, uh right uh cruising the coast cruising right so what else do you got on the boards in terms of events uh in biloxi or across the coast what's up well you got we got baseball coming up right now. We're trying to get to a playoff situation. Yeah. And just, you know, just everything uh, uh, that you can think about. Of course, the heat is, is uh, you know, uh, kind of a, a record time. But uh, uh, I guess 1980s is when, when the last time they hit this. But, uh, you know, every weekend there's, there's some sort of, you know, festival or, or event. And, and uh, it's exciting times. Yeah. I don't know if we golf yard, but we've got uh, coming up here, it's, I think, our 48th uh, Slavic Invitational Golf Tournament. We're talking about 400, you know, two-man teams coming up and playing on about four golf courses. So that's coming up in, on the 23rd. Yeah, I do. I know that's uh, a big event. One thing, I, one thing I can talk about, I, I think this is sort of official. You know, uh, you know, my, my heritage, our heritage is a lot of Croatian, uh, uh, you know, uh, community here. We're excited to welcome the president of Croatia on the 23rd of September. So he's going to be in town to uh, uh, address the uh, in, in New York City for the United Nations General Assembly. And over the years, we've had you know uh, the, the ambassador has visited Biloxi and visited our you know our neighboring uh, Croatian uh, Belchase, Louisiana. Yeah. But it's going to be official. He's going to come directly from the United from the United Nations General Assembly on the 23rd for a little reception. So if you find yourself down here, maybe we, I can introduce you to the president of Croatia. That's awesome. I think that's a, a historic. Yeah, so that's we're, awesome. We're excited about that. Very, very so. cool. So uh, also, Mayor, we got uh, kids back in school as well, right? I think so. I think we have, everybody's kind of adjusted uh, their schedule. Yeah. Uh, as far as, you know, we, you and I, we're young. We go after Labor Day. But that's <laughs> not the case now. And some uh, 
you know, some adjustments uh, that are being made. I know I can remember those two a day football practices in August. Well, yep. you know, uh, under this heat, and, and they've had a few jamborees this past weekend, but shortly we'll have we'll be in the middle of football. Yeah, so we're excited about that. Yeah, no doubt, it's big time. So we just came off of uh, primaries here. As you're well aware, in the state of Mississippi, we got general elections coming up, and then right after that, we'll we'll seat a new legislature, new statewide leaders. They'll be in session a couple of days after the New Year's. Anything in particular, Mayor, that uh, you're looking for, looking to accomplish in the next legislative term from from a municipality perspective, well, or specific to Biloxi? We've got a lot of. We do. We have, you know, as far as the mix of things that, that are uh, determined and, and considered, you know, of course, infrastructure, we're trying to get you know, uh, some new uh, uh, links to uh, the uh, uh, across the Pops Ferry Bridge over Highway 90 that we call it the Pops Ferry Extension, you know, different different uh, opportunities to, to improve our infrastructure so people can get here, get down here. Yeah. And that, that would also, you know, result in, in more sales tax and more gaming and, and higher um uh, Balorum uh, assess values, yeah. but uh, you know that we enhance our waterfront and making the accessibility. You know, we've—I think you've probably seen that little—the uh, uh, about a one-mile stretch of uh, the the boardwalk that we added between Oak Street. We're trying to do probably another uh, one mile in this session and you know, through various grants. But we want to just keep pushing and keep putting that investment in into the visitation opportunities, the boardwalk. Everybody, you know, we'd hope we could re- walk from uh, Ocean Springs Bridge to the Bay St. Louis Bridge with regard to uh, keeping sand on the beach. And, and I think we proved that that little pilot program to keep the sand on the beach where it belongs. But we're going to be cleaning uh, those places where it's, you know, far cruising specifically. So we're, you know, it, it, those projects will enhance assess, you know, accessibility and then just, just the whole quality of uh, experience for you know, our visitors and our citizens. Yeah. Before we go here, got a couple of minutes left. Uh, do you interface a lot, uh, Mayor, with the casino management down there? They're such a big part of oh, yeah. your economy. And what what do they say? What kind of feedback you getting these days? Definitely, we you know we, we kind of address. We used to have a pretty regularly monthly meeting, but we we uh, are now and then. You know, there's just different uh, challenges that would be coming up. You know, everybody's uh, uh, kind of looking where things could be in, in a year or two years from now. But in, in just as far as legislative. Uh, things. Of course, you know, sports betting uh, a few years back was a big thing. Now mobile betting is, is hot on their, their radar and some of the other opportunities. But we do try to, you know, gather up at City Hall at least once a month. But, you know, I, I have almost all of the GM's telephone numbers memorized. But yeah. if something pops or, or they need anything, I mean, it's a big part of this, their success, you know, and, and again, on, on the coast, uh, uh, as far as the generation of that revenue. Uh, let me divert a little bit. We're probably going to do it the third year in a row of a billion dollars in gross gaming revenue. Wow! Uh, that generates, you know, uh, that generates about 120 million dollars in tax. Where the first 80 million goes is right to the state of Mississippi. Right. Okay. And then the public safety and education benefits after that. And then what we have to do to support one little perspective of that, we've got 49,872 uh, people in town. As far as citizens, yeah. But at any one point in time, four point three million dollars, three four point three million visitors a year divided into seven thousand hotel rooms, and we're more like a hundred thousand people. Wow! And we have to support. We have to, so that's, that's a, something that's not in the uh, metrics. That's uh, a good in, point. And the business opportunity. Yeah. Ride that uh, that home. We're a little bit. 
stronger in, in generally what we have to do as a city to be successful. So you can have a good time when you come down here. Makes that, total sense. You know, something people Yep. So. Appreciate it, Mayor. Always good to talk to you, sir. I'm sure we'll be seeing you soon, uh, certainly at Cruising the Coast. Thank you, Mayor. I'm good. Thank you, man. We're great, coming right back. Yes, Thank sir. You. Yes, sir. Coming right back on the, in the Element Well studio. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's do this. Right. On Super Talk Mississippi. Let's go. We are back. We are in the Element Well Studio. Later on, Rhino's going to give away some Doobie Brothers tickets. Kelso and Ocean Springs, with respect to my statements about the Democrats' advocacy to dismantle police departments, law enforcement, decriminalize crime. Most of that happens, of course, at the DA level. Cops arrest them. They get booked, get in front of the DA, just let them out, cashless bail, etc. No interest, honestly, in prosecuting. Kelso says, but let's defund the FBI, though, right, Gerard? I'm sure all those white-collar child trafficking and large-scale drug trafficking crimes will just go away. The right is no better. Well, I think the concern, Kelso, by many on the right, I would be one of them, is that the FBI has become politicized and weaponized. And so I think the question is, is there a better way to handle those crimes, investigate those crimes, than the FBI? I think there's no question, no secret, that in this country most Americans on both sides of the aisle They have lost their respect, their confidence in America's long-trusted institutions, such as the FBI, such as the DOJ. I mean, when they're going after Catholics because of their stances, religious stances. All while trying to give Hunter Biden a sweetheart deal. Right. When they're going after parents, deeming them as terrorists. Because they're questioning some of these nutty policies coming from school boards in their districts. So, now, again, we have to be careful not to generalize. I don't want to make it sound like, yeah, the whole dang FBI is corrupt or the F- or the IRS. We even had IRS whistleblowers testify in front of the Congress, one of which is a declared Democrat. So it's not right. But... Unfortunately, they're not at the highest levels of management. We're all subject to this managerial class in the administrative state. So maybe it's time that we, what does the left say? We reimagine the FBI. Yeah, reimagine them not to be politicized, not to consider 
their own political beliefs when they're discharging their function. That's a novel idea, isn't it? We've watched the IRS do it for years. I I just can't forget that crazy Lois Lerner with her nose up in the air testifying to Congress. This was, of course, back in the Obama era. She from the IRS about how they were denying 501c3 status to organizations based on their political beliefs. That's not right. And then remember when they lost a bunch of data, and I can't remember that guy's name, that fool was up on the hill trying to blame it on technology, and he totally blew it. I I was livid watching that because, no, that's not how this works. Uh, as an example, so so I just say, Kelso, no, I'm I'm not for just overlooking and disregarding white collar crimes. I know that's a big part of what the FBI does, or human trafficking, drug trafficking. But let's take out the scales of justice, and on one side, put the white collar crimes and their impact on society, and on the other side, put all the thieving, stealing thugs that the Democrats catch and release. Very true. Which side's going to fill up first? Which side's going to have bigger impact on your bottom line? Yeah. Why don't we start with shutting down the dang border? And when you've got even the president saying, hey, my orcas, oh, the border's closed. Border's closed. How much of these problems stem from just totally open borders? A lot. Guess what? These other countries, by the way, that this troll call me out on, pretty sure their borders are tightly closed, and where they got a little lax on that, they're now regretting it. Like Germany, for example. It's causing problems. Yeah. Unbelievable. Let's see. Careful, Gerard. Criticizing the FBI could land you in federal prison. That's not free speech. That's domestic terrorism, says Jerry in Pontotoc. Uh... I know it's a tongue-in-cheek comment, but it is sad, though, isn't it, Jerry, that it's gotten to that point in this country. I I worry about that from a banking perspective, uh, just your financial life being interfered with because of your, your political leanings. Yeah, that's not right. That's not America. That is a banana republic. But when it starts at the top in our country, we've got to take some recognition of that and understand how just how dangerous that is. But unfortunately, we have, I have folks on there out on Twitter that disagree with my assertions on that, and that's fine. They're they're free to disagree. But it just shows you the mindset of some people that see everything in those in in such a way. And one person, by the way, just said that uh, that I read you earlier that there are facts, and then there was Gerard. And I just say, okay, well, tell me, tell me where I, I missed it from a facts perspective. Then you got the president bragging about his Bidenomics economic success. Best I can tell, he's made us weaker. He's crippled. Our household budgets, He's he gins up resentment at every turn. You don't have what they have. you got to hate them. 
And then what do they do? They blast into the stores and start taking stuff. They think they're entitled to it. Starts with that rhetoric. Unbelievable. And this president who's bragging about his management of our fiscal affairs and our budget, telling you right now, folks, before he leaves office, he will have added more to the debt, run up the biggest deficits in our history. The math's not with him there. And that's including Trump's final year, where they created the largest deficit in our history. That's $3.8 trillion. But his first three years came in at about 2.3, 2.4. So you can do the math there. We're about 6.2, 6.3 total, which is ridiculous during the Trump era. Just so you'll know, during the... Um, since Obama, pardon me, <laughs> that was a Freudian slip. Since Biden has been president, his deficits, 2.8, 1.4. Right now, he's sitting at $1.6 trillion. With two months left, he's going to be at two. So $2 trillion for this year, fiscal year 23. It ends next month at the end of September. So he will be where Trump essentially landed in terms of accumulated deficits with a year left. That is insane. And so anytime he even all these people that are trolling me say, well, he's wanting to spend money on law enforcement and infrastructure and all this stuff. We don't have it. When are they going to wake up? And now, you know, folks, despite the Supreme Court's ruling on student loan forgiveness, you know that. That's in full swing. Folks are applying. You've seen this, Rhino. Uh, there's, they've worked around all the laws, all the policies, and now we got people applying for student loan forgiveness. That's in full swing right now. It's not to the extent that you know, just a blanket cancellation that he was pushing for. But they've worked through all the terms and conditions, and you pay less, and and once you pay for a certain number of years then it's totally forgiven. I mean, that that program's been in place for a while, but he's just changed that so that more people will have their more of their debt forgiven sooner, if that makes any sense. That's what he's done. So he just basically thumbed his nose at the Supreme Court, said, well, I'll show you. We'll just change this. And unfortunately, this is another situation where Congress transferred this power to the agencies And then they just work around the edges there and issue new policy. That's who's running the dang country. The managerial state is really what it is. These career bureaucrats that benefit from all this stuff and practice politics instead of running those organizations that they're appointed to lead. They're just political operatives at the end of the day. That's what I'm railing about today. We're stepping aside for a break. Half an hour left here on Middays. Tickets to give away to the Doobie Brothers. Please stay with us. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. On Super Talk Mississippi.
us a little Leonard Skinnard. Europe doesn't embrace putting children on mind-altering drugs, says Robert. And Brandon, wow, Gerard, you hit several nails on the head with that statement. I appreciate that. I, I suspect I made a couple of them. That I said the president has made us weaker, crippled household budgets, fomented resentment and division, and demonized success. Race, sex, and climate shakedown are the pillars of the Democrat agenda. I do believe that. Jim in the Delta says, being see, been seeing a lot of Larry Elder, candidate for president, interviews lately. I like what he has to say. Let's see. Chris from Oxford says, your boy Vivek, I'm sorry to say, said he is not a number two guy, and he would not accept an offer for vice presidency if he didn't win. I'm beginning to really like this guy as well. He said that on Fox this weekend. Yeah, he's he said that before, Chris, that uh, he was not interested in being someone's vice president, that he was running to win. I like the attitude. I um, continue to follow him. He's just the most articulate candidate in the race, in my view. Very smart. And I think on the right side of policy, and I think he's... Uh, He's a doer. I think he'll get things done. People that generally start up businesses from nothing like he did and and operate them to a high level of success, navigating the treacherous waters of markets, generally are very good political leaders, make very good political leaders. I'm tired of the career political class that's always signed the back of a check. i Favor folks that sign the front of a check. Understand that. It's just a lot of people have different criteria in a candidate. That one's very high on my list. Mo says, Biden, quote, we choose truth over facts. <laughs> quote from the Marxist handbook, tell the lie until it becomes the truth. What was that writer's name? Saul Alinsky. Yep. No doubt. Dwight says, are you speaking about Trump? Who are we talking about there, Dwight? Or what are we referring to? Too silly, I missed the memo about raise the blood pressure question, <laughs> says Charles in Matheson. Went to the doctor this morning for my wellness exam. My blood pressure was good. I see. I see the. Uh, the Twitter thread from this weekend, but hadn't looked at Slim Smith's page until now. Miserable. Does the left thrive on misery? Short answer, William and Brandon, who sent that? Yes, they do. They revel in it. They mire in it. They just do. And they want you to be the same. That's their goal. i got to make everybody else miserable. Think about their policies. They're all about, you just got to do with less. And it's not an optimistic view of the future where you expect to improve the quality of life. That's what I want to hear. Not tell me how to deal with less. Regulate your dang showers, your ovens, your appliances, your air conditioner, your cars. No, that's not an optimistic view of the future. We've conquered those human problems. But that's what they want. You just got to have less. Not me, though, of course. doesn't apply to me. Wow. Ben from Madison wants to know, speaking of gaming, are we going to get mobile sports betting 
over the goal line next session. I've heard the governor would sign the bill if the legislature sends it to his desk. I'm saying 50-50 at this point, Ben. Gary in the Berg says, cruising the coast approaches, cars and shrimp at the White Cap restaurant. Sounds like a plan there. Unbelievable. If fuel keeps going up, the economy will go down. Republicans will walk away with elections easily, says Bo in Indianola. I'll tell you, Bo, that I've always thought that the price of gas played a huge role. It was a big factor at the polls in presidential elections. Like it or not, most people attribute the price of gas, be it up or down, to the president. They just do. And whether or not that's fair or accurate doesn't really matter. That's just how people react and and what they consider when they cast that vote. No doubt that poll after poll shows economic issues top the list. And I do think that this president knows that, the current president, and he's going to do everything in his power to make his case that he has improved your life from an economic perspective. All these tweets that I read to you all the time that come from him and members of his party, essentially that's what they say. And he was last week, right, in Michigan, I think, addressing a friendly crowd of union workers, touting his economic success. And they're always on this trickle-down crap and going after corporations and wealthy people and the most successful. By the way, no surprise, uh, Rhino, that they're having a little problem implementing the minimum tax. So you remember, and we we got into the weeds a little bit, not going to do that today. I think folks are kind of tired of hearing about it. But it's it's complicated, no doubt. And, and the bottom line is it's a minimum tax on a company's book income as opposed to what's called their tax income, and there is a reconciliation between the two. And they're running in, they being the companies and the IRS, running into all kinds of problems computing the reconciliation. It's just because there are lots of nuances, lots of complex situations, so it ain't going real well. And I knew it from the beginning. This was a dumb move, man, to do this, that that putting that into practice is a lot easier said than done. I read a pretty detailed description of the problem in uh, the tax a tax foundation newsletter, and it was lengthy, man. Got getting into all of the weeds on that, but we shouldn't we shouldn't be surprised. And I know a lot of people say, "Well, why can't they just compute their income and pay a rate?" And and my response always is, "Well, how do you calculate income?" And that's what's at stake here. That's what this is all about. So one year after the Inflation Reduction Act went into effect, and you've got this book minimum tax provision, which was expected to raise a bunch of money to pay for all the stupid green credits. So you guys know that's that's what the Inflation Reduction Act did. It had zero to do with reducing inflation. But it does offer all sorts of credits. If you buy EVs and manufacturers of EVs and battery manufacturers and buy new appliances and, and water heaters and power panels and all that stuff, solar panels, you get credits 
which are just money from the government that we don't have, and it was sold on this idea, oh, we're going to collect more taxes from those dirty, greedy, diabolical corporations, and one of those those tax provisions to produce more revenue is called the so-called book minimum tax, but the Treasury Department hasn't fully codified it yet. They can't figure it out. And all the wonky accountants from industry and from the IRS are trying to figure it out. And they're running into issues. Imagine that. you got partnerships that flow up to corporations. Uh, there's exclusion of control foreign corporation dividends. You get into all these complications that nobody ever thought about. And now you've got this debate between the the international accounting standards and the U.S. generally accounting principle, accepted accounting principles, and there's some reconciliation items there. It's just bureaucracy at its finest. Got lawyers involved. The IRS says, we don't know when we're going to give you more guidance on how to compute this. And this was such a small dab of money. That's what was crazy. When you hear Biden run around, there are 50 corporations that paid no income tax last year. And you look at those 50, and if you were to tax their book income, which is what this provision of the law does, it's about $40 billion of taxes. Well, I'm not saying that's zero, but the taxes on that's about eight. And what he doesn't tell you is he was a sitting member of Congress when they passed laws that's right. that instated the IRS rules and regulations that those 50 corporations are using. Exactly right. So it's $8 billion and a $6.3 trillion budget. It's not squat. And they, and they promote it and discuss it like, this will solve all our problems. We just need to tax those corporations, get that $8 billion, few hours of spending. They just won't be honest about the math. And now we got IRS and lawyers and accountants and corporations spending lots of time and money just dealing with this nonsense. So unproductive, so counterproductive for a dab of money. When we come back, Rhino's going to get us some uh, tickets to the Doobie Brothers. Final segment is next. Gerard Gibbert. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. On Super Talk, Mississippi. Speaking of the Doobie Brothers. I think my favorite is, uh, is it South City Midnight Lady? I think that's the name of the song. I mean, I know that's the, the lyrics, but uh, I uh, that's my favorite, I think. Yeah, South City Midnight Lady. That's it. There's, uh, on YouTube, there's a live performance of it. Ah. And it's it's done, I don't know how long ago, but not terribly long ago, when the, but 
along um, recent enough so that the quality, as you know, of the audio and the video, it's HD and it's 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 excellent. And I I like to watch it just to kind of veg out. South City Midnight Lady, pretty cool. Uh, all right, you want to give some tickets away? Oh, yeah, let's do it. We got uh, one of the best-selling groups of all time. You just heard them right there, the Doobie Brothers. They're going to be at the Brandon Amphitheater in Brandon on Saturday night. Tickets are on sale right now at Ticketmaster.com, or you can swing by the Brandon Amphitheater box office if you're in the area. But now is your chance to win a pair of tickets to see the Doobie Brothers. All you got to do is be the 17th person to text into the C Spire text line. That number is 601-879-4395. Be the 17th person to text in the phrase, China Grove. And you'll win a pair of tickets to see the Doobie Brothers this Saturday night at the Brandon Amphitheater in Brandon. There you go. Chris from Oxford says... Talking about Vivek. He's only like 38 years old as well. That's right. Uh, let's see. There's something else uh, that was on the ceasefire text line. Too silly. I missed the memo about raise the blood pressure Monday question. And somebody else said, I'm glad you took uh, take the blood pressure test before the show. <laughs> uh, you know, actually I- exerting energy like that. And not keeping all that that tension in, uh, and just a, just a mental anxiety. I think that's actually good for your blood pressure. So I do a pretty good job <laughs> of letting it out, as they say. Uh, let's see. Keith Invaden says my wife and I are supposed to go to the Doobie Brothers concert, but as hot as it's going to be, I don't know. Laugh out loud. Oh, you still got to go, Keith. You said being divisive with rhetoric. Some people say divisive. I've seen that it can be pronounced either way, by the way. Says Dwight. And running up the debt sounded like Trump. I see. It caps the cost of prescription drugs, Dwight says, referring to the Inflation Reduction Act. Well, uh, I've been clear that uh, I've been somewhat critical of Mr. Trump for his rhetoric. So, see, that's the difference, Dwight. Will you do the same on Joe Biden? I've made it very clear. There's a nuance here. I fully support Donald Trump's policies for the most part. I differ on a few. But in general, hey, just look at the results. I read them to you earlier. Net wages up, real wages up. Price of gas, half roughly of what it is today. Inflation, negligible. I don't think we would have seen Russia invade Ukraine. Don't, Ukraine. Don't think China would be saber-rattling around Taiwan. Borders weren't the disaster they are. Crime wasn't as out of control. I go down the list. We got out of that stupid Paris Accord. We didn't put diversity, equity, inclusion, climate change, and gender as central themes in all policymaking in the deep state. That being said, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of the personal insults and the attacks. I don't like that. I don't know that I would say that divides the country. I never really saw Donald Trump say stuff that was intended to segregate the country into oppressors and the oppressed. That's what the left's rhetoric does. 
and pit one group of citizens against another. That's daily. It's it's now embedded, honestly, in everything from kindergarten to military training to corporate modules and workshops. Running up the debt? Yeah, I've been critical of that as well. And, of course, if you look at uh, uh, President Trump, about $2.4 trillion in the, uh, of debt in the three years leading up to the final year when we had COVID. Yeah, everything was off the table then. I don't agree with it, but, yeah, we ended up with a $3.1 trillion deficit in 2020. With respect to the Inflation Reduction Act capping the cost of prescription drugs, that's big government socialism that will not produce the best outcomes. You may be happy because your current prescriptions are capped in terms of price, but what it means is that you won't see nearly the level of innovation in new treatments, new drugs, that improve the quality of and extend life. That's what's at stake here that the left doesn't want to admit. So, disagree with you totally on that. We got a winner, Rhino? We do, just waiting to confirm. Got you. Hearing the music means we are out of time here today. It's Ricky Matthews with Super Talk Outdoors next. I'm in West Point tomorrow. Until then, stay safe and God bless. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.